Well, good morning and welcome to First Church. If you are new with us today, you know that what I always do is I welcome our first-time visitors. And of course, all of you are welcome as normal. But today, I have the opportunity of welcoming a very special first-time visitor, and it is my daughter, Sophia. So, Simone, would you stand up? Yes, there she is. There she is. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's not awake. Uh, So, uh, like most of you, she'll uh, sleep through my sermon, and that's really good. Uh, But uh, she is beautiful. She's healthy. And uh, she looks just like her mom, which is good for me. And uh, so we're, uh, we're really blessed, really excited. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouragement. Uh, we figure we have about six more uh, weeks of sleepless nights and then uh, back onto our regular schedule. And uh, so we thank you for your patience uh, with us and uh, your encouragement uh, for us during this time. Well, we do want to welcome everyone to the first week of our brand new sermon series called Messy Christmas. Everybody say it with me. Messy Christmas. And it's not a typo. It's not a misprint. It is a messy Christmas. You see, what the world tells us is that this is the happiest time of the year. But the truth of the matter is that for many of us, it's also the messiest time of the year. I don't know what this looks like for you. Uh, Maybe for you, uh, family comes in down, everybody gets together But for you, rather than the joy of togetherness, it's the unease and the discomfort of family tension. I I don't know what it looks like for you. Uh, Maybe for you, uh, because of your financial situation, uh, rather than times of plenty, you're going to do another year without. Uh, Maybe for you, rather than celebrating another year of accomplishments, you're going to celebrate another year of lost opportunities. But whatever it is for you, you find yourself in this messiness of life. And I think if you were honest with yourselves this morning, you would say, you know what? That's right. That's me. I am in a messy season of life. The good news for us this morning is that God understands. We serve a God who gets it. We don't serve a God who is disconnected from our reality. We actually serve a God who gave up heaven to join us in our reality to meet us in our mess, to be with us in our struggle, to literally save us from our sin. In fact, our key verse for the series, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Our key verse for the series is Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And the author Matthew says this. He says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name, everybody say it with me, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus. Uh, Literally, Jesus is the Greek for uh, uh, Joshua or Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Literally, he will save us from our sins. The Lord saves. He meets us in our mess. He deals with us in our mess. And the best news of all this morning is this, and I I want you to uh, take notes and write this down because this is our key thought for the series. If you don't get anything else over the course of this series, make sure you get this down. Here's our key thought for the series. Jesus did not come in spite of our messes. Jesus came because of our messes. 
Jesus didn't come in spite of our messes. Jesus actually came because of our messes. Our messes, our mistakes, our wrongdoings, our sufferings, our sin are the very reason that Jesus came. He gave up heaven in order to meet us where we are. Not to put up with us, not in spite of us. He did it because he loves us to meet us right where we are. And I don't know about you, but I think that is really good news this morning. I think that is incredible news this morning, that we serve a God who loves us so much that he gave up heaven to become one of us and to meet us in our messes. So where are we going the next four weeks? Week one, this week, we are dealing with our messy past, our messy past. Next week, week two, we are dealing with our messy choices, our messy choices. Week three, you won't want to miss it, probably my favorite message in the series. Uh, we're going to look specifically at the person of Mary, and we're going, to, we're going to talk about our messy consequences. What are the consequences of someone who is sold out 100% to what it is that God has called them to do? And then week four, it is Christmas Eve. And I'm telling you, please don't check out on me on Christmas Eve, all right? Don't check out on me. This ought to be the most important thing that we do every year, right? The malls will still be open for a few hours, right? We'll get all the shopping done. You have time to cook. Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th, we're going to look at messy people. Messy people. Who does God come to save? Who did Jesus meet in their messes? He came and he dealt with messy people like you and me. And if you have a friend, if you have a neighbor, if you have a loved one that doesn't know Jesus, make sure they're here on Christmas Eve, December 24th, to hear the good news that Jesus meets us in our mess. Messy past, messy choices, messy consequences, and messy people. And today we deal with our messy past. So congregation participation this morning. How many of you would say that you in your family, somewhere along the way, that you have a few issues in your family, that my family has just a few, just a few issues, minor, minor issues, very good. Everybody, not everybody gets along. Everybody's got a crazy Uncle Bill, right, or, or Aunt Martha. Everybody's got one of those. Don't look at me that way, right? We've all, we've all got those people, right? A few crazy issues, a few issues. How many of you would say, you know what, my family doesn't have any issues. My family doesn't have just a few issues, my family has a ton of issues, right? My family has a ton of issues, a lot of really honest souls today. Some of you looking behind your shoulders and seeing who of your family's here before you answer that question. I, I get that, all right? Your secret is safe with me. Messy family and messy issues. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a family with all types of issues, all types of problems, deception, murder, adultery, kids out of wedlock, you name it, they've got it. It's the messiest of messy families. It's the worst of the worst. And believe it or not, it's the family of Jesus. It's the family of Jesus. Let's look at a few of these issues. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. What Matthew does is he actually lays out a genealogy for the life of Jesus, kind of like a, a family tree for where Jesus came from. And in this genealogy, we see some really interesting characters with some fascinating history. And so I want to walk through a couple uh, of those characters with you today. The first, uh, Jesus in his family history, he, he has what I like to call a family affair. All right? 
he has a family affair. And by family affair, I literally mean a, a family affair, right? Now, I am uh, my, uh, my mom's side of my family. My mom's here with us today. Uh, my mom's side of the family is from West Virginia, okay? And so being from West Virginia, uh, we understand family affairs, okay? Uh, we've got all sorts of family affairs. I don't know all the details, but somewhere along the line, uh, two brothers actually ended up marrying uh, two sisters, okay? Now, I see that look, uh, uh, not their own sisters, okay? Not, not, not their own sisters, but, but, but two brothers actually ended up marrying two sisters. And because of that, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm related to like 90% of the state of West Virginia, right? We're all, we're all family. And I'm also understanding that that's probably the reason that my feet are two different sizes, okay? Um, and true story, uh, my feet are two different sizes. Left foot is half a size bigger than the right foot. And uh, I think that has something to do with our family affairs in uh, West Virginia, okay? That's how it works. But all that to be considered doesn't hold a candle to what it is that Jesus' family is dealing with. Take a look at this story. In Genesis chapter eight, uh, 38, Jesus, uh, uh, the Bible tells us a story about Judah and a woman named Tamar right? Or Tamar. And Judah and, and Tamar are father-in-law and daughter-in-law, okay? So Judah actually ends up giving his son to, uh, to marry Tamar, and she is a wonderful woman. She, she's, a, she's probably a beautiful woman, but the problem is that her husbands keep dying, okay? So that's kind of an issue. So Judah gives her first son to Tamar, and he ends up dead, and then he ends up giving her second son to Tamar. And guess what? He also ends up dead. And so then he's got a third son that by Jewish law, he's supposed to give to this woman so that she can continue uh, her brother's family line, right? And, and continue this thing. But Judah says, wait a second. I sense a trend here. Not going to do it, right? Because all of her husbands end up dead, right? So he doesn't end up giving her his son. So here's what she does. True story, Genesis 38, it's in your Bible, right? She actually ends up disguising herself one day. And uh, Judah doesn't know that it is his daughter-in-law. And so what he actually ends up doing is having a relationship with his own daughter-in-law, right? And she ends up expecting a child, okay? And so she goes through this, and then all of a sudden people say, hey, wait a second, Judah, your daughter-in-law has been doing some stuff, and now she's expecting a child. What are you going to do? And Judah says, burn her at the stake. Burn her, take her right now, and burn her right here in front of me. And so she comes out, and then she, she's about to get burned to the stake, and she says, all of a sudden, she says, wait a second, one thing, Judah, she says, by the way, yes, I am pregnant, but by the way, dun-dun-dun, you're the father, right? This is like one of those daytime talk shows, right? This is like, this is like one of these, they thought they were original. The Bible had them beat by 5,000 years, okay? You are the father, right? You're the father. And so Judah actually ends up realizing what he had done, and he actually ends up letting her live. And believe it or not, it is one of her twins, one of her two boys that she is expecting that ends up in the family heritage, that ends up in the royal line of Jesus Christ. Family affair, messy family. Secondly, we see some people of questionable character. Questionable character. So if you are familiar with the story of Rahab, uh, you know a lot about Rahab. Uh, Rahab actually ends up uh, saving uh, the people of Israel and Jericho, 
but she also happens to be a woman of ill repute. And when I was writing this sermon, I realized that what she's actually called in the Bible, I can't use because it's a family uh, service. And so, kids, if you don't know what a woman of ill repute is, don't worry about it, all right? Don't worry about it, and don't ask your parents, right? She's a woman of ill repute, and she is a foreigner, and she's an outsider, and she is a, a liar, and she is a traitor, but she actually ends up using these things for God's good, and she ends up saving uh, the, the two spies that come visit her. And she actually ends up, the entire uh, 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 city of Jericho, she actually ends up the only one, her and her family, who end up alive, right? And not only that, but she actually ends up in Jesus' family tree. Questionable character, an outsider, a foreigner, a woman of ill repute. Uh, number three, and this is probably the most exciting one, number three, we see in Jesus' family line an adulterous murderer, right? An adulterous murderer. If you know the story of King David, uh, you know that one day uh, King David was supposed to be coming out to battle, but he actually ends up staying home. And when he ends up staying home, he sees a woman, and uh, one thing leads to the next, to the next, to the next, and she is pregnant, right? The problem is, that she's uh, uh, married, and so is David. And so what David has to do is he actually sends his, uh, her, her husband, he actually sends her husband out into the battle, and then he withdraws all the other troops. So the guy is left by himself, and so he actually ends up dead, right? A good guy, but a bad choice. So he actually says, okay, great, no problem. You're single now, right? You're, 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 you're available, great, but God actually deals harshly with David's sin. A good guy, but a really bad choice. Family affair, questionable character, an adulterous murderer. This is the type of family that Jesus was born into. This is the type of family that he came to save. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a whole lot better about my family line, okay? I feel a whole lot better about my family line because if this is the type of heritage that Jesus had, then what kind of things can Jesus do through me? And what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to, to, to get really honest for a minute. I, I'm gonna ask you to, to, to really uh, pull down the walls and get vulnerable with God for a second and ask God, what sort of messes have I been dealing with in my life? What sort of messes have I been dealing with in my family? Maybe for you, you grew up in a divorced family, right? And one weekend here and the next weekend there, and you just never knew where you belonged, if at all, and your family is kind of a mess. Maybe you grew up in an abused family, right? Uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, maybe even sexual abuse. And you carry those scars with you every day of your life. Uh, maybe for you, you grew up in a legalistic family right? One misstep, one misjudgment, one problem, and all of a sudden you get this disappointment and this judgment from your family and your friends. Uh, maybe you grew up in what I call a high-performance family, right? A, a, a great family, high-performance family, but you carry this weight of expectations on you, right? To get good grades, to get a good job, to make good money, to always climb a little bit higher, a little bit higher for the sake of those around you. Maybe some of you guys have a messy family. 
Maybe some of you are going to be really honest today, and you're going to say, it's not just my family that's a mess. I'm a mess, right? I'm a mess. Maybe for you, you're the one that's been through an ugly divorce. And try as you might to save your marriage, you couldn't. And you carry this guilt with you that if you would have tried a little bit harder, if you would have worked a little bit harder, if you would have done a little bit better, maybe you could have hold things together. But you end up picking up the pieces of a shattered life. Uh, Maybe for you, you end up dealing with some addictions. You've got some addictions in your life, some prescription medication or alcohol or drugs, and it got better for a little while. Then you prayed really hard for a while, but then all of a sudden it reared its ugly head and you end up finding yourself right back where you started again. Maybe for you it's a financial mess, right? You're in a financial mess. You've got mortgage and you've got credit cards and you've got student loans and you've got car payments and you're spending money that you don't have on things that you don't actually need and there is no way out of the mess of your life. Maybe for you, you've got a relationship mess. You've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Or you've got a fiance or someone in your life and you're just barely struggling to hold on. And you've got all sorts of messes in your life. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to be honest for just a second and to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to speak words of truth to your life. Words about your messes, words about your sins, words about your problems, things that you've carried with you your entire life. Because what we're going to do as we close is we're going to ask Jesus to reveal his truth to us. And and, and I'm going to ask Jesus if he would just speak two clear words of truth into our lives. Two words of truth that I believe if we will accept these words, if we will accept these promises, if we will accept these principles, the Holy Spirit will be able to transform our lives for the sake of the kingdom. What are they? Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. Your past does not define who you are. Your past does not define who you are. You are not a product of your past. You are not defined by your past. You see, one of the lies of our spiritual enemy is this. You are what you've done. You are what you've done. So maybe you lied, and that means you're a liar. Maybe you cheated, and that means you're a cheater. Maybe you've committed adultery, and that means you are unfaithful, right? You are what you've done. You're all, you are what you've done. Your past will define your present. But God says, no, 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 no. That's not how it works at all. You're not defined by your past. You're actually defined by who you say, who I say that you are. You're not defined by your past. You're not defined by by what you did. You are defined, if you were in Christ Jesus, you are defined by what Christ Jesus did for you. And if you've been around First Church for any period of time, you know that one of our favorite verses is Romans 8, 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and this is what the Apostle Paul says about our lives. He says, therefore, there is now, say it with me, there is now no condemnation. What is there? No condemnation. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And, and I want you to hear these words. And I want you to hear this promise. And I want you to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Because there are some of you here today that you have carried this guilt for far too long. You've carried these problems for far too long. You've carried this mess in your life for far too long. And God forgave you a long time ago, but you're having a hard time forgiving yourself. And today the Holy Spirit says, no condemnation. No condemnation. But I'm a liar. No condemnation. I'm a cheater. No condemnation. I, I, I committed adultery. No condemnation. I'm not a good father. No condemnation. I haven't been a good mother. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, no more condemnation in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then second, it gets even better, is this. Your past does not define who you are. But secondly, your past does not define your future. Your past does not define who you are. And your past does not define your future. And I'm telling you, in my years of ministry, this is the last and the hardest step for so many people. It's this idea of, of letting go of the past so that it doesn't affect their future anymore. Because they say, well, there's things in my past, and if I could just go back, if I could just change, if I could just do something differently. It's a lot like a couple days ago, Lucas and Simone were, were, were playing uh, with his new baby sister, Sophia, and they were having a great time, and then all of a sudden, he turned to Simone, and he said, hey, mom, by the way, when does baby girl go back in your tummy? <laughs> right? Like, 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 when does this thing end, okay? Because it was really good with just the three of us, but now the four of us, and I, I, I don't know, and Simone said, hey, by the way, Lucas, uh, this is it. This is your life, right? This is what you have to expect. No rental babies in this family, right? The Holy Spirit, I think, wants to say that same word to some of us today. Your past is your past. And I want to say that really lovingly because I know that there are some incredible pains in your lives. I know that there's some incredible difficulties in your life, but I want you to hear me say this. Your past is in your past, Maybe you said some things. Maybe you've done some things. You would do anything in your power to take them back, but you can't because they're in your past. Uh, maybe for you, you, you were abused as a child, and you were hurt, you were taken advantage of by somebody who, who, who should have loved you, right? And I want to say this with all love and all kindness, but the fact of the matter is you can't go back and change it because your past is your past, uh, maybe for you, you've had a relationship fall apart. A boyfriend, a girlfriend, you really thought they were one. The, uh, the marriage, whatever it might be, the past is the past. Uh, maybe for you, you've just, you've just gone some places you shouldn't have gone. You've just done some things you shouldn't have done. You just said some things you shouldn't have said. And in all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your desire, you so desperately desire to change your past, but you can't. But here's what I want you to hear me say this morning. You cannot change your past, but by God's grace and through Christ Jesus, God can change your future. God can change your future, right? You cannot go back. You, you can't change it. You can't change it. But God can change your future. Listen to this from Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. 
Here's what scripture says. He says, forget the, say it with me, forget the former things. What are you supposed to forget? The former things. He says, do not what? Dwell on the past. Why? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Why? Because he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Everybody say that. New thing. I'm doing a new thing in your life. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today is forget the past. Forget the past. Do not dwell on it because, see, I am doing a new thing. Does the past hurt? Yes. Do you wish it hadn't happened? Yes. Do you wish you could go back? Yes. But forget the past. Do not dwell on the former things because I am doing a new thing in your life. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And there's some of you here today that this is about to get real. This is about to actually take effect in your life. Maybe you're here and you're just kind of checking this church thing out. Or maybe you came today and the only reason you're here is to see your kids in this program, right? And that was it. Or maybe you're here today because, you know what, it's Christmas and you ought to join your family and that's what you do this time of year. But the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to your heart. And your hands are going to start sweating. Your heart's going to start beating a little bit faster. And the Holy Spirit is going to get a hold of your heart. And you're going to accept this gift, accept this promise. No more condemnation. No more condemnation. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. No more condemnation in your life. And today the Holy Spirit is here. Today the Holy Spirit wants to get a hold of your life. You know, my thought is that if Jesus could take someone like Judah and Tamar and can transform their life and actually sit them smack dab in the middle of his family line, he's able to say to you, no more condemnation. If he's able to take somebody like Rahab, who's a a woman of ill repute, who's a woman with all sorts of problems, an outsider, a social outcast, and he's able to put them right smack dab in the middle of his family line, no more condemnation for you. If God can take a murderer and adulterer, right, and he can put them right smack dab in the middle of everything that he's doing, no more condemnation for you. No more condemnation. No more condemnation. And some of you here today, your past is your past. Your past is your past. You cannot change it. And it's a mess. I get it. Okay? And all sorts of issues and all sorts of problems. But today, you serve a God who meets you in your mess, who's with you in your struggles, who came to save you from your sins. The Holy Spirit says, what Jesus says to your heart is, I did not come in spite of your mess. I did not come to put up with your mess. I actually came because of your mess to change your lives and to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Lord, we ask that you would come, that you would speak to us today, Lord, we're so desperate for your presence. We're desperate for your hope. We're desperate for your life. And Lord, as we pray today, I pray that there would be someone here today. They're slaves to their sin. They're slaves to their past. I pray today that you would speak your words of promise over their lives.
We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. So we continue in a spirit of prayer today. There are some of you here that this is your story. You got a past, you've got a promise, and you've got to decide which one you're going to choose. There's some of you here that your past has defined who you are, and your past has defined your future. But today the Holy Spirit has said, no more condemnation. No more condemnation for you. You see, you have a choice. God's already forgiven you. He's already forgiven you. He's already healed you. But you've got to forgive yourself. And today, if that's you, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, you've got to give it up. No more condemnation. Forget the former things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. If that's you, if you'd like to say, today, Jesus, I'm handing it over to you. You've forgiven me. Today, I forgive myself. And I'm moving on and moving forward in Jesus' name. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now? Right where you're seated, right now. Hands up everywhere. Hands up everywhere. Thank you, God. Hands up everywhere. Jesus, you've seen our hands. And you've seen our hearts. Help us to forgive ourselves from our past and to move forward into the bright future that you have for us. Today, as we continue in a spirit of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed, there are some of you here today that this is the very reason you're here. The Holy Spirit has brought you here for this moment and this moment alone. And today, you've got a past. You've got an issue. You've got a problem in your life. You've got something that has kept you from Jesus. And today, you're about to hand it over to him. Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And he's saying, you've got a choice. You've got me or you've got your past. You've got your future or you can continue to be defined by your past. Which one will it be? Which one will you choose? Because today I am offering you life. Today I am offering you hope. Today I am offering you a future. Do not dwell on the former things. Behold, I am doing a new thing in your life. And if that's you today and you say, Holy Spirit, take my heart, take my life, take everything that I have because Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need a savior clean up my mess, forgive me of my sins, make me new. I want to follow you with everything that I have and all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind and all my strength. Jesus, I need you. If that's your prayer today, would you lift up your hand high right now? Do you lift up your hand high right now, right here? Look up at me. Look at me. I want to see your face. Amen. Thank you, sister. I see you guys down here. Who else? I see you, brother. Praise God. Who else? Who else? Lift up your hand high right now. Who else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. I see your face there. Praise God. Who else? Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Who else? Who else? Amen. Amen. Jesus, thank you. At First Church, nobody prays alone. Everybody prays together as people find freedom from their past and new life into Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I need you. Jesus, you died so I could be forgiven. Jesus, you rose so I could be set free. Forgive me my sins. Clean up my mess. I want to follow you all the days of my life. 
I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Church, can you lift up a shout of praise to God today for new life and freedom in the kingdom of God this morning? Well, Andrew, thank you for that word. I have to believe in a room of this size uh, that a message like that has hit home with, with some of you. Um, some of you have been enslaved to your past. Some of you have, uh, have been holding on to that for far too long. And, uh, and today you said, I don't want that anymore. I want that freedom. I don't want to dwell on the old things. I want the new thing. I want that no condemnation thing. And if that's you today, uh, if you took a first step towards Jesus, or maybe you said, you know what, I just need to reset. Uh, I need to start over because I've just been doing the wrong things here. Uh, we believe that that journey is best lived out in community, right? We don't believe that anybody should do that journey alone. And so if you have stepped into that hope today for the first time, we just want to invite you uh, to either fill out one of those green connection cards or come and find me, come find Pastor Cindy, find somebody with an orange lanyard and tell them, I want to connect with somebody from your starting point ministry who can begin to walk through uh, these next steps with me um, because we truly believe that that is where we thrive. So uh, as we get ready to leave here today, Advent week number one is about hope. So I would encourage you as the church to live as people of hope as you go from here to live that out in your communities may the peace of the lord go with you